Welcome to another episode of Neighbors of East Nashville. Once again, uh, the people that are putting this podcast together, we believe that every single person you've ever passed, every person you've ever shaken their hands, every person you've ever seen on the sidewalk, all of them uh, intentionally, uniquely created by the God of the universe, they all have worth and value and stories and experiences to share and to tell. We can learn from one another. So we wanted to get together and just elevate some of those stories, specifically starting uh, with the stories of people here in our community in East Nashville. My name is David Hanna. I'm the pastor at Church at Lachlan Springs. As always, I am joined by my buddy Ronald Gooch. Gooch, say something. What's up? We have got a very special guest with us for this this particular episode. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, man. I mean, our guest, I almost said his name. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. As a spoiler alert, um, who we have today uh, might quite possibly be a little bit more popular than me. I I can't even imagine that's true. Man, he might deny it. (laughs) When we talk about East Nashville and we talk about the growth and the change, we talk about the church, we talk about, you know, the landscape of the old and the new. Uh, And then we also talk about our children. And there are people who caretake for our children. I myself have one of them through sports. But uh, my man, Dr. Ricky Gibbs over at Warner Arts, man, you top notch. Hey man, I I, I I don't get introduced like that too often, um, but when I do, I step right into it. So, so I, I, I appreciate that, man. I'm honored to be here, ready to engage. Um, definitely excited about everything that's happening in our community, and ready to keep pushing it forward. So, Dr. Gibbs, I first of all, uh, thank you for being here today. I know you are incredibly busy. You got a lot going on, as evidenced by the fact that. As Gooch and I sit here in our jeans and T-shirts, and you're rolling up in a suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, I have so much that I want to learn about you specifically. But before we get to to just some of that stuff, tell us what you do here in East Nashville. Uh, well, Ricky Gibbs, um, I have the honor and privilege of serving as principal at Warner Arts Magnet Elementary School. We're the only Arts Magnet Elementary um, in Metro Nashville Public Schools, Davidson County. Um, and we sit right here in the heart of East Nashville, uh, 626 Russell Street. I tell everybody you can find us right behind East Park, right across the street from Sky Blue Cafe if you're looking for us. It's a beautiful building, beautiful location. We love having you in East. How long have you been over at Warner? Uh, I'm actually going into year three now. So I, it's about two and a half years. I took over in December of 2017. December of 2017. Okay. Uh, it's been a crazy time to be in education, certainly in elementary education and administration since December of 2017. A couple of things have been going on in the world. You doing okay? Just a couple of them. Yeah, man. Look, I tell everybody every day is a new adventure. That's that's the world of elementary education anyway, because if, if you want to ever be around people with a short um, memory, um, coming to an elementary school. You have a child that could, you know, be off one day and decide, make I'm going to make poor choices and I'm going to call you names and tell you you a bald-headed guy that wear church shoes every day. Mm. And then the next day walk in, hey, Dr. Gibbs, oh, I love you. Give me a hug. <laughs> so it, it's one that every day is a new, new day. But I'm just thinking about things that we've experienced over the last couple of years with how we are, we rebranded the school. We changed children's trajectory for outcomes. Um, we've endured a tornado, the, living through the middle of a global pandemic, yeah. going virtual, in person, um, have masks, no masks. Like we've we've kind of had our fair share, but um, the the awesome and exciting things is that the community continues to wrap their arms around the school. And without that, without the East Nashville community wrapping their arms around the school, I, I can't tell you where we would be because I don't know if the school would even still be open wow. um, because it was we were at that critical point um, in our journey. Mm. You have been um, in various publications. You've been on various podcasts, on the great uh, NPR podcast, WPLM podcast, The Promise. So I have gotten to know you both 
through some of that information that's out there. Also, as the pastor here at the church at Lachlan Springs, we've been able to start to partner uh, with <laughs> Warner Arts over this last year. Now, it's been incredibly hard because yeah. can't go yeah. inside the building, can't be with students, <laughs> yeah. can't be with the teachers. But I've gotten to know you a little bit in your role as principal of Warner Arts Elementary Magnet yeah. School. My confession to you, Dr. Gibbs, is I know hardly anything about you as a person. Uh-huh. And that's that's some of the stuff I want to do today. Gooch yeah. has an incredible advantage over me because he knows you, knows you're a friend. Well, what's funny yeah. about that is that I, what has it been, maybe a year and a half now, we yeah. were doing, as the chair of the East Nashville Chamber of Commerce, we were doing a virtual, our virtual meeting. Yeah. And we were getting updates in the educational field, how virtual school was going. I think we had uh, the founder of the Pencil Foundation, Dr. Gibbs, uh, Christian Bugs, Bob Bernstein with Bongo Java. And I caught one of Dr. Gibbs' name through, through, the, through the Promise podcast. And I followed him on Confession. On social media, on Instagram, I, I he popped I up. I think that's called stalking. Stalking. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doctor Gibbs is popping up. We have a lot of similar connections, yeah. and I reached out to a good friend of mine. You know, just saying, hey, can you give me a plug in on Doctor Gibbs? You know, who is this guy? I want to meet him. Want to know him? And you know, I reached out to Doctor Gibbs, and he'll tell you, you know. We just kind of you you do your background check on people when they reach out to you. Absolutely, and and mine passed apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got through all I, the I FBI got, checks. I, yeah, I got else. through it. I got through it. I got through it. But so that's how I met Doctor Gibbs, and yeah. thinking it was just uh, a one-off. You know, doing the um, the the virtual panel yep. thing with the chamber, and afterward, you know, I just caught the energy, and and we exchanged numbers, and we've we've partnered. Uh, a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do have I, I have a I have a hand up, but man, I mean, again, like like we said, you know, I think people know Doctor Gibbs, and he'll Doctor Gibbs will tell you, I don't I'm I don't call him Doctor Gibbs anymore. <laughs> I call him Gibbs. Yeah. That's okay. My, that's my it's, man Gibbs right it's, there. It's a difference, yeah. and I I distinguish between the two when when I talk with people. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. And people, I mean, and, and, and you know, I know a story and hearing a story is extremely um, inspirational to know that our leaders of the community, you know, I mean, we all have our own story, but to know that their stories do align. I want, I want parents and people to know that their stories align with what you've been through, yep. what your child may go through. We're real people. Like, I don't, I don't sure. think, you know, they see Dr. Gibbs. Or they say Gooch, and it's yeah. a you know it's a baseball cap or a nice suit all the time, and yeah. it's like oh he can do anything, and it's like yeah we probably could, but yeah. we just didn't come out yeah. like this. No, not at all. <laughs> we didn't come yeah. out. So his story, I, I'm gonna stop talking because I want people to hear it. Yeah. Well, and that's actually a perfect segue. Yeah, Doctor Gibbs, yeah. where do you even come from? Yeah, I say look, I, I tell people I can tell you from the the very beginning uh, when it all started. Uh, on January the 3rd, 1983, my mom was driving down 17th Avenue in Miami, Florida, um, and she was riding in a car with my dad, and he was just driving a little too fast and went over some railroad tracks on 68th Street, and they tell a story about the car bumped because you drive over the tracks too fast, and her water broke. And at 12:18 on January the 4th, there hey, you are. Uh, that's that's <laughs> where I came from, right from the beginning. How many times have you been back to those railroad tracks and you just looked at uh, them? So that's where it all began. Man, right there. Yeah, so it, look, it, it crazy things. Every time I ride over it, uh, when I'm in Miami, I, I think about it. Like, oh man, that's I, yeah. hey, at that point, I said, all right, it's time for me to to hit this world. Um, but originally from Miami, Florida, I grew up in the middle of the city. Um, it's an area of town called Liberty City. Okay. I tell people, if you ever watched First Forty Eight. Um, Liberty City is always <laughs> on First right, 48. Yeah. Um, that neighborhood is one of the most drug-written, crime-written communities in our country. Um, yeah. So the level of poverty is extreme in that community. 
but also I tell people the level of love yeah. or that that community has to the point that even our little league football team, Liberty City Warriors, yes, they had a show on Stars where they mm-hmm. they kind of tracked the football team. So the community has great pride. Um, and I t- I didn't know I knew I, I knew growing up I didn't have a lot. Yeah. Um, especially after my mom and dad divorced and, and things of that nature. So we I knew we wasn't rich, but I didn't realize how poor we were mm. until I came to college. Um so I tell people while we were we had we were poor when it came to finances, I was I had abundance of love. I had yeah. an abundance of people praying for me. Um and if it wasn't for the love and the prayer. I wouldn't be standing here today because of the type of poverty I came from. A lot of people I grew up with are either in jail or dead um, because only thing we saw in our neighborhood was gangs, drugs, and violence. Yeah. Okay. Where'd you end up going to school? Uh, So I graduated from Miami Jackson um, in Miami. I uh, came to Tennessee State University right. uh, on a full football scholarship. So I played football at Tennessee State. I have my bachelor's and my master's um, of education from Tennessee State. I have a bachelor's in elementary education, a master's in administration and supervision. Wow. And then I did my doctoral work at Lipscomb um, University right here in Nashville. Yes, sir. Let's go by organization. Well, calm down, calm down. I'm, yeah. I'm a Belmont boy, Dr. Oh. Gray, so it, I, I battle, can't. battle the bullet ball. That's exactly there you right. Go. That's exactly, and there's yeah. only one champion. Get, some. <laughs> Get it. Yeah, so I did that doctorate in organizational leadership and strategic change. Okay. Uh, but definitely been to a bunch of those battles of the bullet ball. All right. So, so I mean, that's a obviously – that's a very long story yeah. in about three minutes, and I got a lot yeah. of questions. I got you. It's a lot of gaps to fill in. There's in a lot of yeah. gaps yeah. to fill in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but one of the things I'm super interested in, in is the parallels between your upbringing mm-hmm. in Miami yeah. and some of these kids you're loving on at Warner Arts yeah. here in East Nashville. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's impossible not to see some of those parallels. Agreed. I, mean, the, I tell everybody all the time, um, this isn't a job for me calling mm. like this is this is why god put me here coming from where i grew up uh, my mom and dad divorced when i was seven and i'll never forget having a conversation when my dad was leaving he told me i was the man in the house and i tell people at the time you know you, you think you're doing a good thing but that's a lot of weight to put on a seven-year-old yeah. especially <laughs> a seven-year-old that has watched you beat my mom because he was physically abusive mm. uh, and i used to try to jump into the fight to defend her so when I went to school, I used to fight all the time to the point that I was so angry I got ended up getting kicked out of school when I was in the fourth grade because I threw a chair at a teacher. And if it wasn't for the fact my mom was a legal secretary and, and you know she knew some of the ropes and her boss was able to step in, um, there's no telling what my academic wow. career would have been. Um, so instead of putting me out, they sent me to anger management. Okay. Um, so, so it's... So just going through some of those things and understanding that level of trauma um, with our boys and girls that are growing up in Casey, and Casey has its fair share of violence, sure. drugs, um, uh, and dealing with all those situations. And so when the level of trauma they have, I have firsthand knowledge of why we have to intervene, because I tell people all the time, all adults back in my childhood always spoke to me. But nobody actually spoke with me. Mm. Um, so to that, like they would tell me, it's not you shouldn't be punching people just because they're talking about your mama. They don't know your mama. I I was fighting my daddy for touching my mama. You think I'm gonna let another eight year old talk about my mama? Wow. That, that's not gonna happen. Right. Uh, but nobody ever t- had that conversation with me. Well, why do you get so upset when people talk about your mom? Because I would have shared. Man, because I'm I'm watching somebody, you know, physically abuse the lady that I love. Mm-hmm. Like it hurts me, but nobody never wanted to hear that. They only only wanted to deal with the fact that I was aggressive. Um, so now I'm thinking about my work with our young people and one one of the reasons we decided to use some non-traditional approaches to student discipline with the mindfulness, the power of the breath, and the yoga, um, it's because I said we have to do something different. Yeah. We have students that come to school with trauma. 
And that, that trauma is displayed in different ways. Some students are quiet and just don't want to engage, but some students are that explosive and, you know, mad and, and, and shows it with anger. So how do we get both of those students to understand that there's a way to put that stuff down, go through the power of the breath, understanding how you calm your nervous system, and then actually engage into the learning process? Because ultimately, no matter what, what parents' background they are, if they're affluent, um, if they're struggling, and the median household income in Casey is only $12,000. Mm-hmm. So you got families of three, four, five that are surviving off of $12,000 a year. But when they send their children to school, they send them with one reason only. It don't matter if you make $12,000 a year or $12 million a year. They send their child to receive a world-class education. Yeah. Um, and so because I had a mama and a grandma that prayed for me, um, I had educators who, who didn't feel sorry for me. They ensured that I received a great education. I feel like now it's my God-given responsibility, my calling to ensure that I stand in a gap for those babies who are coming to school, dealing with some of those same type, type, type situations and figuring out how can I, as the leader of the school, inspire the other adults in the building to not feel sorry for our students because they come from poverty or Mm. to not feel sorry for our students because their families are extremely wealthy, but their parents aren't there physically for them every day because they're off doing some other things. How can we just ensure that they receive a world-class education because if we do that, anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, we talk about the sky's the limit. My staff know we don't say that at Warner. We just say no limits because there's a quote that says, don't tell me the sky's the limit when there are footprints on the moon. Mm. So we know we can go past the sky because we already have. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's that our possibility of just opening up, standing in the gap for our young people to ensure that there's no limits to their future. Man, that's good. Was there, was there a Dr. Gibbs in your life growing up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Tony Lassane. Uh, so Tony Lassane, he was, I tell people, he was Teach for America before Teach for America existed. Okay. Uh, Tony, Lassane, Tony Lassane is the founder of In Focus Magazine. Um, so, and he was, for two years, he was an English teacher at Alapata Middle, uh, Middle School in Miami. And he was my middle school teacher, right? I was getting in a lot of trouble in my elementary school. So when we moved deeper into the city, um, my mom asked me, did you want to, because I was at the school called West Little River. She asked me, she was like, do you want to stay at West Little River or do you want to go to Alapata? I was like, well, let me just go into Alapata. I knew I needed a fresh start. I knew the kids I was running with. I, I knew what it was and everybody knew who I was. Uh, so I went to Alapata and I, and I met Mr. Lassane. My first week at Alapata, I got in a fight. I'm a fighter. Like I, That's what I do. Like, you say something to me. Square up. That's just, that was that was my world. For people uh, listening, square up means. <laughs> Come on. It, mean, it means get. I don't know. <laughs> what are you saying? I know you know. It means remind get me your, to tell you about the one time I got in a fight. Okay. It means it means the get your time. hands up. I yeah. forgot we have new East Nashville here yeah. from California listening yeah. to this podcast. Anyway. Absolutely. So square up. Put your hands up. Let's fight. Um, and Tony Lassane stepped in and he was like. He was like, Ricky, I want you to be a part because they, they was getting ready to suspend me. And he stepped in. He was like, don't suspend him. He's new to the school. Let me talk to him. And he was like, Ricky, I want you to be a part of this group I call Foot Soldiers. And I'm like, well, what's that? He was like, it's a group of students. They come and meet with me after school. We learn how to, I teach them how to play chess. And then um, there's, a, I, I have a magazine called the In Focus Magazine we go in front of Publix every Saturday morning and we sell the magazine for $2. Every magazine you sell, you can keep $1. And it was, you know, I was excited. I'm like, okay, yeah. I can get a chance to make some money. I wasn't really interested in chess, but I ended up learning and realizing, you know, chess is a thinking man's game. Um, so I, I, I picked up on all that, but it wasn't until years later when I sat down and had a conversation with Mr. Lassane. Um, I was like, Mr. Saying, we were selling those magazines for $2. Like, that's, you know, 50%. Why would you give us such a large margin share when, I, you know, we we're just having a money conversation? And he, and he told me then, he was like, Ricky, it was never about the money to me. One, I just wanted to get the magazine out because I was just starting. But two, 
I wanted you all to learn the skills of just walking up, meeting a total stranger, engaging them to the point that for them to believe in what you're saying and actually want to invest in you. Wow. Um, and just that mindset kind of just changed my life. Mm. It, I, I, you know, I still had probably a couple more fights just because of having the neighborhood I was growing up in. It was either you, you proved yourself or, you know, people just picked on you. Um, and I was just always, I was one kind of like 50 cents said, I, I never want problems, but if you bring a problem to me, we got a problem. So it's like, I, I'm not looking sure. for your problem, but if you want the problem, I got the problem. Um, but it was one that he taught me that I didn't have to be that way. Mm. Um, I could come to school, be respectful, um, let my personality show and have fun. And it wasn't always about being the tough guy. Um, and that man, just me and Tony Lassane totally changed my life because I was always a good academic student. My behavior was just rough. Sure. Um, but I was able to say, you know what? I don't have to make these decisions anymore. So Tony Lassane was that person. I tell people I have, I have, a, I have a lot of educators in my life that did a lot for me. Paula Festa, my calculus teacher in high school, Beverly Olson, my English teacher in high school, phenomenal ladies that helped really push me to that next level. But that person that made that trajectory change for mm -hmm. me, definitely Tony Lassane. Any of the other foot soldiers, Lassane's foot soldiers, have similar stories to you? Oh, a bunch of them. A mm -hmm. bunch of them. Because we all were we all were growing up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I was I, you know, some of them, they're not principals, but they're other leaders of different industries. Um, just really pushing the pushing the work forward. Uh one guy's a pastor of a church in Miami. Um my best friend is SQ Dollar. He's a, a DJ, a philanthropist a motivational speaker. Wow. Um, and, you know, just we all can go back to that time where standing in front of those publics. And, and the crazy thing is all of us are talkers. So you you get it and, it. and it's not something that we all was naturally doing back then. But because we did it so much, now I could just, you know, meet somebody, a total stranger, and just start a conversation. I tell people now I don't meet strangers because I can always find something that we have in common yeah, that, that will unite us. So as as that trajectory change happens yep. uh, with Tony Lusane and the Foot Soldiers and M Focus Magazine, um, when was the moment that your mom saw that? Can you remember a time yeah. that your mom looked at you and said, "All right, Ricky, I see. I've always seen it in you, and now I see it coming out of you." Yeah. Uh, tenth grade, man. Tenth grade. The crazy thing is, I I had already started making great grades and all that. I graduated high school with a 4.4 GPA, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was number 10 out of 507 in my graduating class um, coming out of Miami Jackson. And I remember I was getting my report card at 10th grade. And I have a younger brother and an older sister. You know, my other sister was in college. My mom was still asked to see her grades. Um, she was always on my little brother about his grades. And I remember my sister was home for Christmas and she was like, Man, mama, why you ain't actually see Rick report card? Like, he mm -hmm. getting grades, too. She was like, there's no need for me. I know he got straight A's. Uh, and it was when I heard that, I thought right then. She got me. She yeah. believe in me now. Yeah. Uh, she knows that it's not about, you know, the other stuff for me no more. She know what it is. And she was right. I had straight A's on my report card. So she, at that point, she didn't even ask. My when I was in high school, my mama never asked to see my report card. Um because she automatically knew he he had he had straight A's, um, so at that that point in tenth grade, it really opened my mind to just hey you know, Mama always loved me. She always mm -hmm. cared for me. I never doubted that. Uh, she she's my hero. Like when people talk about heroes, and you know they talk about you know famous people, isn't that my hero is Valerie Gibbs? Mm -hmm. Like she's my absolute hero, and at that was the moment I just knew. She would always go to the end of the world for me, but I knew she she had expectations of me at that point that I never wanted to let her down. Wow. Okay. When you get your scholarship to TSU, did you know Dr. Gibbs was in your future? No. Nah. No, nah, man. No. Nah. Rick, Rick, Rick was going to be playing for the Dolphins. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, yeah, Dolphins, you got to aim Rick, higher than that, Rick, man. Rick, yeah. Rick, oh, oh, Rick, man. <laughs> Rick was going back to the crib. Yeah. <laughs> he, was playing, he was playing for yeah. the Dolphins. That's what Rick was doing. Absolutely. It, wasn't, it wasn't no... Yeah, yeah no, none of that. I can tell you that right now. I was all state in football, man. Like all state I, in Florida, that's no joke. Yeah, I was all state. Um, I had scholarship offers to the University of Central Florida. I had committed to the University of Minnesota mm. to play football. But Dude, then, that is different from Miami. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh recruitment visit changed my mind. Uh, and you go to Minnesota mm. in January from Miami. That's a little different. That was a uh-huh. bold move on their part to bring you up in, in January. January. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was. Uh, and then the crazy thing is, I, on the week that I was supposed to come vi- go visit Central Florida, uh, James Reese, who was the head coach at Tennessee State, then called me. And was like, "Hey, we'd love for you to come to Nashville." I was just coming up for a trip. You know, mm-hmm. you get five trips. I was taking all five of my trips. Sure. I knew where I, I knew I was going to Minnesota. So came to Nashville, fell in love with the city and was like, mm-hmm. man, met met a guy, James Patton. He's the principal Coach of Coach Patton. Uh yeah, say so he and like it was one that he was like, you know, if if I can be around people like this, I wanna be here. Um, so now when I came to TSU, I actually came to TSU. Um, thought I was going to major in criminal justice. If you look at my high school uh, yearbook, it'll tell you I want to be an FBI agent. Okay. Um, and I was like, yeah, not, not my calling. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, maybe I'm going to major in speech pathology. Yeah. Then real wasn't really feeling that. Uh, my wife is actually a speech pathologist, so go figure. Um, but then I, when I went into elementary education, I just had it. I had intentions on being a, a teacher. I knew eventually I wanted to be a principal, but I didn't know like how to get there or anything sure. of that nature. And the only reason I got a master's right after undergrad was because my wife was getting a master's because she had to get it in speech. If it wasn't for the fact that she was getting a master's, I probably never even would have even thought to get a master's. So uh, that's why I tell people if you Think that when you you got to have everything figured out at 18 when you get to college, just go and start expanding, growing your mind, expanding the things, your circle, mm. your friends, your experiences, opportunities, because eventually it all aligns. But now the, the Dr. Gibbs thoughts didn't happen until after my first year teaching. And I, when I realized I was having a, an amazing impact on the 20 students I had in my mm. class, and I started asking myself, what would it be if I was principal and I could impact 600? Wow. Yeah. Where were you teaching at the time? Paragon Mills Elementary in South Nashville, okay. right off of Harding Place. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you're in a classroom, you see the direct impact on those 20 kids. Yeah. When you're in the office... It, it's a, a lot more kids, yep. uh, larger scope of influence, but the direct impact may be different. Yep. Has, has that been a hard transition for you? No, no. Um, simply because I've always been one that I believe if the impact on the adults is correct, if you set the correct environment for the adults, then the impact on the children will be great. Okay. Um, so when I made that shift and I was like, well, okay, well, I'm not in the classroom no more. I don't have a direct impact on students. I'm not teaching anybody how to read. I'm not teaching anybody any of the math. I told myself, if I can ensure my teachers feel valued, feel seen, feel loved, and feel encouraged, mm. Those are the those are the four values I was instilling in my students every day. Wow! Like I, I'm that sports background, so you know, Dion told us when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. When you play good, they pay good. Mm. So, though, if I said if I can do that same thing with the adults, then we the, the impact happens. Um, so now, as as a principal, I, I tell people uh, when I talk to teachers, when I talk to other leaders. I try to get them in that mindset of if, and I take it from from business across the across the country. If you if you set the conditions and your adults enjoy coming to work, mm. they're having fun coming to work. They believe in your vision. Mm. They'll run through a wall for you. And when for us, 
I'm not asking them to run through the wall. I'm asking them to be a life changer, yeah. to change the trajectory of a child's course so that one day when they're on a podcast or whatever the, 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 the thing is, you know, in 20 years that everybody is sitting down talking about, they'll say, you know what? When I was in Miss Moore's fourth grade class, Miss Moore was that person that changed my life. When I was in Dr. Hughes' class, she changed my life. Those are the conversations that I want. Um, so when we started talking about that impact, one of the reasons that we don't call any of our teachers teachers. Um, if you see any email from me, I always start the same way. Good morning, heroes. Good afternoon, heroes. Because if you're a teacher, if you're in the, the field of education, you're, just, you're not just a teacher. You're a hero. There's a child somewhere looking up to you and saying, that's my hero. That's the person I want to be when I grow up. So we have to understand that kind of power. So with me being in the office, I just I look at it from a different lens of saying my impacts to, my impact is a lot greater, but I have even more responsibility because I have to shift the minds of an adult versus a child. Yeah. Gucci is your Dr. Gibbs. Uh, uh you know, I don't I don't know that I had I was so arrogant in high school. <laughs> I don't know where. It, <laughs> yeah, I was. It was man. Yeah, because so Gibbs growing up in Miami. My story is not even close to that because I didn't fight anybody <laughs> when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> but or you know, but growing up over here, it because East Nashville was so different back then, and. You know, like my parents were, were, I was the only child. So, and my parents were from here. So they kept me away from everything that they knew that I could get into mm -hmm. because they grew up here. Yeah. So there was never a time where it's like, oh man, Gooch is, uh-uh, nope. So when it was time for me to pick, was it seventh grade? Seventh grade? Um, I went to MLK, but prior to that, you know, being at other schools, that was back in the 90s when, you know, when you were in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade back then, you probably had your parents' teacher. Mm -hmm. That's how teachers were. It was yeah. old, They were older women. You had, you probably had your, I had my dad's teacher twice, mm. you know? Man. So, and nowadays the teachers are young enough to be like some of these parents' yeah. kids, you know? Like sure. you go into the schools and some of the teachers are 22. And, you know, some of the parents are old enough to be their, their parents and their, their child's parents, you know. So uh, I it wasn't until high school um, for me, um, Coach Sheldon in basketball. Yep. Doc Sheldon over oh. at MLK. You remember Doc? I remember Doc Sheldon. Doc, Doc Sheldon. And you know what? I could never stay on the basketball team, and it wasn't because of talent. It was grades, man. I mean, and it wasn't. I, think, I, I just think that's what the coaches told you. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> figure make, hey, make a layup. That's right. Figure take take it easier that way. Ask about me. <laughs> Ask about me. But it was, it, you know, it wasn't because of that, and it was just I, I wasn't I wasn't focused, you know. And so, but Doc Shelton, funny enough, when Doc Shelton began um, teaching at Maplewood, that's where he started. He was coaching there first. Uh, he was my mom and dad's PE teacher. So, you know, when I walked in in seventh grade, gooch. And I'm looking around like, it's my first day. Mm -hmm. Nobody should know me at yeah, this school. Absolutely. He was like, you look just like Kim Davis, which is my mom's maiden name. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. Went home and told my mom. He's like, oh, yeah. It's Doc. <laughs> that, that's who it was for me. Yeah. I mean, and then he, you know. But but again, that was that was different, man. It was it was back in the day where it was like, you know, Doc. Doc would kick folks out of the game. And, he and would. You, he, I, he I would, once he, saw him coach an entire basketball game from the top row of the bleachers. I still to this day don't know yeah, what he was doing. But that was a different time in education yeah. and rendering of children. And, yeah. and, and you yeah, know, I think he was mad at his boy, so he just left the bench. Yeah, he left <laughs> the bench. Went up to, went up to the top. Yeah. He would tell people like, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, or you're not sacrificing yourself. Like yeah. he, he once had one of our, our best player. I mean, I think he was just, I mean, it, it, he, the guy had a great game, but he just wasn't doing 
what was required within the offense. Yeah. Time out, took him yeah. out the game. It's, the gym is quiet because we know it's about to go down. Yeah. Take my jersey off, go to the locker room and leave. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kid walks off with the jersey on. He's like, hey, hey, yeah. hey, 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 mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. My jersey right here. But that was a different time, yeah. man. That you can't yeah. do that. Nah, you can't you do can't, that no more. <laughs> you, can't do, you can't do that to kids no more, man. Yeah. You can't you can't do it to kids anymore. And that's why my level of appreciation for the evolution of education that Dr. Gibbs and the the heroes at Warner mm-hmm. are are doing because and we talked a bit before Gibbs got here about transitioning the things that we offer in our neighborhood because East Nashville is evolving. Gibbs, you've been here now for what? 20, not 20 years. Well, I got here in 01. Yeah, so, 20 wow. years. 20 years. Yeah, so he's, oh, he's, was 01 really 20 years ago? Yeah. I don't believe it. I was, ele- I was 11. How, don't it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a jerk is what was, you are. <laughs> but when you got here, it was, it was, it was Nashville in general was yeah. different. It, not, it, uh, the plat, like West Nashville, Look totally different. Sure, yeah. Um, like I used to live in um, the Riverbend Apartments off of Charlotte. I used to off of Cabot Drive. Yep, know exactly and where that is. All that Nashville West Plaza. None of that was over there. It was a bowling alley over there. The striking spare. I, I, used to go I remember this. Oh yeah, We're absolutely. Bowling all the time. That's the only thing that was over there. Nothing was over there. Yeah. So just to just see how the city has evolved. But like you say, you, you hit on it because one of the things like you know that coach coach was able to to do that. But now we know, man. The psychological impact that that could have on a child, you know, back then we would just tell you, you know, man, toughen up and get yourself back together. But when we t- think about, the, especially with men, there's, that's the reason why so many men are in the prison system now mm. because we taught, we teach our young boys to toughen up. They don't, don't, don't express yourself, don't cry. You know, boy, tough guys don't cry. Like they don't express them feelings. That, that's why we have so many people who made a permanent decision based upon a temporary emotion, and now they're sitting in a in a penitentiary because we we didn't think through. Like we have to teach everybody that your feelings matter. Like it's it's okay if you even if you're a young male if something hurts your feelings if you cry so what cry let it out. Mm. You have to begin to to you know deal with your emotions, and that's when we we start teaching about self-regulation in school like we have to teach people how to self-regulate and understand that your feelings matter like people tell you that if you you get upset about something oh you just being sensitive no i'm not being sensitive i'm te- i'm expressing you that you've hurt my feelings I'm, that's not me being sensitive that me that's me being honest now if you're not ready to engage in that conversation then you may need to watch how you're talking to people but if we don't take that approach um, that's why education has evolved because we understand we can't just tell students or young people to just toughen up anymore mm. because if we continue down that path, we're going to lose another generation to the prison system. We have to teach people how to deal with those emotions, that self-regulation, um, and that's one of the, those non-traditional approaches to student discipline because we know suspending students doesn't work. If, if you came and was disrespectful today, I send you home for two days, and you in an environment where everybody cussing and fussing, you come back to school. Same thing. You're going to do the same thing. You ain't yeah. learning nothing. Sure. Uh, but if I keep you at school and teach you how to self-regulate and teach you how to go through that power of the breath, um, now that's something totally different. Because I tell people, if you think about it, Big Mama used to do that for all of us. And yeah. Big Mama. Yeah. Big Mama didn't have a, a college. Big Mama didn't have a doctorate. Right. But you, if you came in the house mad and huffing and puffing, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Big Mama be like, sit over there and, and take a couple of breaths. Calm down. Calm down. And you need to take a deep breath. Calm down. And you know, Big Mama ain't that. That deep breath is is powerful. Mm. That deep breath calms everything in your brain, your body down. So now you can you can talk through things. You can articulate. Um, if we there's so many people in the prison system. If you talk to them right now, if they'll tell you, if I would have just stopped and thought about it for a moment, I would have probably made a different decision. Mm. But because they make a permanent decision based upon a temporary emotion, they lose their lives. They take other lives and they make those decisions. So critical that we we 
take that approach in schools. How, how do your students, especially the boys that have been taught their entire life, you solve problems by squaring up? Yeah. How do those boys receive this? Man, it's it's a, it's always a work in progress. Uh, yeah. I, I, but this morning, I was dealing, talking to a student. Uh, he transferred in from another school, and he's he's used to being a tough guy. Like, and I I tell him I told him this morning, man, tough guys don't impress me. Like, remember I told you earlier, I, I swear up. Like, so right. you've been a tough guy is not going to impress certain people, but they they go through the the process of and and it's it's hard for some of them at first, uh, but when they see that. We're we're not gonna give up on them. Mm. We're we're not gonna accept anything less than them being their best. Um, they begin to understand I could fight the process or I can embrace the process, but the process is the process. Yeah. There's no way out of this process. And for the vast majority of them, they they see that, man, if I I use the resources that are at my disposal. School is a whole lot more fun when I'm making great choices and, and doing the right thing versus dealing with the principal and, and doing all this other stuff. So like the kid, like this morning, I told him, if you, we all have days where we get upset. That's part of it. And I, I tell anybody that is in East Nashville, Nashville, surrounding, you definitely, when, when the world opens back up and we can allow visitors into schools, I want people to come and see that work and see the magic because our students know you have two choices um, if you're escalated. Um, so, like, if you anxiety, you're mad about something, you're going to have that day. We're not always happy. Everybody has a day when they get upset. You can go to our Be Well room, mm -hmm. and that's our, our mindfulness yoga space where you can go calm down. No questions asked. No, we're not calling your mama, not calling your daddy. You, This is a space where you can go and work on you. Mm. Or... For some of those boys that I have that relationship with, I tell them, just tell your teacher, I need to go see Dr. Gibbs. And when you come to me, I'm, it ain't about me calling your mama, calling your daddy, because you've, you've, you've exercised one of your options that I told you to use. Go to the Be Well room or come see me. Um, and then when you come see me, it's not that I, at that point, I know you're seeking the help. Um, it's not me trying to yeah. go and force this help on you, um, because now you know. Before I was in Mr. Gooch class and I looked at him and said, man, I don't care about this and flipped the table. I said, man, I'm going to go see Dr. Gibbs. Now I tell people in a perfect world, I would love for a child to say, Mr. Gooch, I'm upset with you right now. <laughs> I need to go see Dr. Gibbs. Will you please give me a hall pass? In a perfect world, that's what I want. Right. But ah, we know that's not going to always happen. So if a child just says, hey, I need to go see him. You know, let them come on because at that point, that child is is exercising the options that we said we would give them to help teach them how to de-escalate. So next school year or three months from now, when that child gets upset, that child just goes through the breathing strategies and it's they don't begin to wow. get escalated. So so one of the main reasons we do this podcast is because we really do believe that that every story is is unique and yep. intentional and valuable. We can learn your story, especially. Um, yep. And I've already learned so much. What about your story, Dr. Gibbs, um, is reproducible and scalable mm. for us as a community? What yep. can we learn from your story and say, we as a community, this is what we know and this is what we're going to do. This is how it changes us. Yep. Uh, man, we can, uh, a lot of things I break down into a process um, and for this, um, when we talk about replicating or scaling, then I'll break it down into three. Number one, I always had a mom and a grandma who prayed for me. Mm. And I tell everyone, if you are a believer and you are a believer in prayer, prayer works. I know it works because I'm, I'm a living, breathing testament that prayer works. If prayer is not your thing, no, 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 no issues. That means you must be believing energy or something like that. Man, good energy. Send good energy. Put positive vibes in the atmosphere um, because when you put positive vibes in the atmosphere, positive things tend to come back. So, um, so step one, as a community, we must not only pray for each other, uh, we need to pray with each other and pray for each other. Mm. So that's step one. Step two, understanding that we all make mistakes in life. 
Uh, I didn't even begin to hit on all the mistakes I've made in life. Um, the, uh, I tell oh, no, people, we, we got another six hours. Yeah. That. Let's just start going through them one by one, Dr. Gibbs. Say, uh, <laughs> to tell people uh, some of those glaring mistakes um, that put me behind bars at one point um, that had me in the back of police cars. Obviously, talked about almost kicked out of school for 180 mm-hmm. days. Like I, I've had my share of missteps, but understanding that we can't give up on people because they've made a mistake mm-hmm. and the power of a second chance. Like I, I believe if somebody makes a mistake, you hold them accountable. Then after you hold them accountable, there must be a point where we do some teaching. We can't just discard people in our community because they've made a mistake or they said something that, you know, we we have an issue with or we felt uncomfortable about. Hold them accountable for what they say. Hold them accountable for what they do. Yeah. But then teach them. Mm. Um, so we can't just throw people away. So it, that's 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 that step two. We, we must we must hold people accountable. But then also second chances matter. Yeah. And then that that third one, it, it used to be the old mantra, you know, of generations before us that it takes a village it still takes a village Mm. for some reason you know once we got to you know they made the song we're gonna party like it's 1999 we hit that 2000s and all of a sudden it was oh i can do it by myself um i I don't need no help no it's it's great to be independent that's powerful but it still takes the whole village and my story is one that if i didn't have a village uh, if I didn't have a mama and a grandma that prayed for me, if I didn't have teachers who cared for me, uh, if I didn't have people in the community, I tell people one of the reasons that I do, you know, some of the giving back and wanting to sponsor kids and do things, and I'm I'm always like I'm overly gracious when other people step in to want to provide Christmas for kids and things of that nature. My I know for a fact there were multiple Christmas that my mom lost her job, and we still had Christmas. We moved eight times in 18 years growing up. So, like, somebody was helping my mom because obviously she didn't have enough money to continue paying bills because we always had to move. So there was people who stepped in. Um, so it took a village to get me to this point. So I, I always will tell, you know, that, and, and that's one of the great things about East Nashville. East Nashville is its own little village in Nashville yeah. that it's going to take all of us to make sure that we're putting our, our arms around all the children in our, our community, because ultimately, I, you know, I tell people all the time, Warner gives you the world, but truly East Nashville gives you the world. Yeah. Um, East Nashville, it, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter how you love, how you believe, um, how you look. I, East Nashville doesn't care about that. It's about, are you good people? Are you genuinely trying to do right by your fellow man? Uh, as the Bible says, do unto others as you would want done unto you. Yeah. To me, that's what that's the East Nashville vibe. Beautiful. Um, so when we talk about those things as a community, man, prayer send energy, mm-hmm. uh, remembering to let's hold each other accountable because that's how we move forward when we have critical conversations. But after we hold each other accountable, what kind of teaching are we doing mm-hmm. afterwards? Because as a community, we have to move forward by teaching and learning. And then three. As a community, we need to band together, wrap our arms around each other, because ultimately it's about ensuring our young people um, have a thriving life. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. I got three questions for you. All right. Before we get done. The, the, these are the first two. How can we as a community mm-hmm. love on your teachers? Yeah. And how can we as a community love on the families of the students there at Warner? Those are your first two questions. All right. So let's let's knock out the teachers first. Yep. Uh, and my steps again. I, for the teachers, I got two. I'm always, and to everybody, if you, you hear me, you're going to always hear me say this first. Prayer and energy. Mm. Nothing starts before that for me. Okay. Um, if you want to love on us, pray for us. Mm. If you want to love on us, send good energy. Because mm-hmm. Lord knows we, we need it. Like now living in and working in the middle of a pandemic yeah. um, where people are saying, you know, parents have the right to 
decide they don't want a child in a mask and and the children can't get a vaccine and things of that nature. You know, there's that that becomes a tricky situation. So pray for us because it's people don't they everybody talks about hey, well we need to ensure the children receive a great education, but if we don't have teachers there because the teachers are sick, nobody can learn. Mm. Um, so definitely that prayer and that good energy. And then secondly, it doesn't take big items to make teachers smile because so many teachers often feel like they're forgotten. They feel like it's a thankless job, a thankless role that they're doing. So if you want to make a teacher smile, especially in the East Nashville community, I tell get them a... a $10, $15, $25 gift card to Bongo Java, to Lachlan Table, to Sky Blue Cafe. They can go there and get them a lunch or, you know, a coffee or something like that. Community hour. Yeah, stop by by community hour at Lachlan Table. They have a a gift card. And now, you know, they, they don't have to worry about their money. They can, they know they have the community loving on them with a little gift card to just say, hey, we appreciate you. Um, so those those are simple things because okay. you know you know I tell people all the time you know folks want to get teachers hey I can get you some extra school supplies that's great but you know we the school we can we can handle school supplies most of the time never hit me wrong we always need school supplies <laughs> uh, but that's not gonna make the teachers jump for joy um, you want to make a teacher jump for joy show up with lunch one one mm. Friday to say hey we just wanted to drop off lunch today. Um, to let you know that as a community, we we love you and we thank you for what you're doing. Teachers smile from ear to ear when, because teaching is the one profession. We all get a lunch break. We don't get to go for lunch nowhere for lunch. We got to eat lunch on campus because our students are eating lunch at the same time. Yeah. So it's thirty minutes. So we don't have like a long lunch break to do that. So getting that kind of special stuff, a gift card, a lunch, is goes a long way. There's somebody right now listening to this saying, "I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that tomorrow." Yep. What do they do? They call your office or they yeah. just come by? Uh, just... Either way, you can reach out to me. I'm I'm on Instagram, principal underscore Gibbs and the number two. So P-R-I-N-C-I-P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L wow. underscore G-I-B-B-S and the number two. I had to close my eyes and look at the spelling. Yeah. Principal uh, is your pal. I remember yeah. that. from That's one yeah, of the things absolutely. I remember when I was at elementary school. Absolutely. The principal is your pal. So principal <laughs> underscore Gibbs, the number two um, on Instagram. Or email me, uh, ricky.gibbs at mnps.org. And ricky is R-I-C-K-I dot G-I-B-B-S. Um, so reach out to me. We can get it. We can get it set up. Yep. Or stop by the school. Um, awesome. Look, we'll we'll never turn down support because our our teachers matter. The work that they do matter, um, and they're they're doing life changing work. So we definitely want to appreciate it and, and love on them. One of the <clears throat> probably one of the most um, for me personally, uh, one of the more attractive reasons behind I know my support of Warner. Um, is because you guys serve a very similar population of families that we serve yeah. at Fanny Battle. Yeah. Um, and we're always thinking of ways to be creative, you know, to support our families. Uh, and, and David and I have talked about it. Gibbs, you and I have talked about it a lot. Yeah. You know, when you talk about supporting families and offering things for families, um, you can open the door, and we talked about it, opening up the door to church. You just don't expect people to come yeah. all the time. Like, <laughs> what's the language behind it? Like, do they yeah. understand what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of times we do a lot of door opening and, you know, laying all the food out and doing all this. Mm-hmm. But they don't they yeah. don't get it. Yeah. So your families, and I've met them. I've, I've been to a school a ton of times. Yeah. Uh, love them to death. Got got a couple of them playing baseball and softball for me, so I'm happy for it. Yeah. Um, just integrating the two the two communities. But how can we? What do we need to know when? And we've talked about it on a couple other uh, conversations we've had. What do we need to know just as far as a community when we are uh, wanting to help? Yeah. And align ourselves and be allies with the families of Warner, yeah. um, because, and and I'm we're gonna be transparent. 
Yeah. You know, those families are different from the families at Lachlan Design Center. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, where, where we're sitting right now, we're what, 10 blocks from Warner, mm-hmm. the three, four square blocks right around us. It looks different. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and those two schools are, you know, six minutes away from each other. Yeah. And so those conversations are different. Mm-hmm. So what, what, how can we support not just the handouts, but, yeah. but what can we do to, um, you know, increase fluency and the understanding that we love them too. Yeah. Yeah, so, families. so, so part of it is um, I challenge everybody to get out of their comfort zones. You know, you, people will say, well, I, I want to show families that we appreciate them. Um, so we're going to open the doors and we'll have these events. Transportation is an issue. Yeah. So you can't say that you're really doing something for families if you're not willing to go to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it tells it. And eventually, you know, they will begin making their way to you. But sometimes when you want to start a relationship, you have to take that first step and mm-hmm. go to them. I, I drive it home. Say You see somebody you're attracted to. You either gonna walk up to him, you're gonna walk up to her, hey, you're gonna introduce yourself, you're or you're gonna find a way if you're you know one of the youngsters, you're gonna, you know, hit him on the DM. Slide in the DM. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we ain't gotta talk no more. We'll just slide in the DM. Slide in the DM. But you but you're gonna make that you're gonna make that effort to go to that person. Mm. The same thing with with our families, especially the families that live in Casey. They're they they get so used to people saying, Well, you can come here to get this, you can come here to get that. Um, why can't we just have a community day where we go and set up to them where they can just walk out the house and come right to they have a they have an office community space. We can set up right outside there and and do the same things that we can do in other locations. Mm-hmm. We can bring it to them. People will say, Well, why are you catering to them? Why why would you go to them? They need to show some effort. We want to show them that we love them. You know, so I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dr. Gibbs. I just can't I can't stop myself. Because I can't help, and and Gooch loves it when I when I put my preacher hat on. <laughs> but that's the gospel. Yeah, we didn't we didn't find our way back to God. He came to us. Yeah, we didn't have to do any. We couldn't do anything. Yeah, we couldn't. It wasn't that God didn't sit back and say, no, no, no. They got They got to earn it. Yeah, they got to have some skin in the game. Yeah, they got. I'm gonna sit right here, and when they can find their way to me, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. No, He came to us. Absolutely. And yet. When we're loving on people in our community, we we expect them to come to us. to us. I'm on, I got a lot of stuff. If they can just make their way over here, yeah. it'll be fine. I hope yeah. y'all listening out there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this is church. I mean, hey. I say I Gibbs, I say it all the time on the podcast. At some point I always drop the line, God is the greatest. Yeah. The absolute greatest. And 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 it's true. Yeah. I think Amen. there are so many parallels in, you know, a lot of what we do when we talk about community building. Uh, yep. how much they parallel to the church. Mm. And I think, you know, if you are a believer or if you're not, yep. you know, the prayer or the energy that you receive and that you yep. give off, like there's, there is a definite yep. amount of effort Absolutely. that we have to give, even if we want to give love to people. Yeah. And it's not to sit here. I'm a loving person. Right. If you can see the hand motions, I wrote it on my forehead. <laughs> but I'm a loving person on my forehead. Go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go well, do it. And that, I mean, the way we start this conversation every single week when we get together is um, recognizing all of us uniquely and intentionally created by the God of the universe, bear his imprint. Believer, non-believer, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, every single person created by God, every single person, an image bearer to the creator of the universe. And this idea of the parallels between the gospel and community building, that is a, that, that is absolutely a sign of that image. It's what we are designed to do to yep. be in this community. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so you answered the first two questions. Yep. How, how can we love on your teachers? How can we love on your families? The third one is the hardest one. All right. How can we as a community love on you? Not not Dr. Gibbs, the principal. Yeah. Ricky Gibbs, the the husband, the man. Yeah. The what can we do? It's been hard. And you 
every room you walk into, you bring a joy and a lightness to. Um, and, and sometimes for people like me, it's easy to think that that means everything's okay. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, How can we love you <laughs> as a man? Man, uh, look, that is the hard because I'm so used to telling people how they can love on all the people around me. I never include myself um, mm-hmm. in that. Just simply, I, I, I believe I'm blessed. Um, I, you know, have a, a wife that loves me. I have girls, two daughters that adore me. Um, so I have a, a mother that thinks that I hung the moon. Uh, so a family that supports me. So I, I'm, I'm blessed in that in that setting. So I, I tell folks again, you know, pray for me. Mm. Uh, I got a mama and grandma that covers me all the time, but I I deal with a lot of different situations. So um, you know, I can always I can always. Take some extra Take prayers. Extra covering. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. That extra covering matters. <laughs> yes, it, it matters for me. Yes, sir. We got you. Uh, and then I, you know, I tell people, and ultimately, if to to love on me is to to help those around me. Um if if folks want to mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, I I want to do something special for you. Um, I'll say you can do something special for me by not forgetting about my teachers, mm-hmm. um, not forgetting about my scholars. Because ultimately, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I don't live a, I'm not financially great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the Lord has blessed me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's one that uh, I live a, a comfortable life. But ultimately, and and I take it from my pastor, um, Pastor Drumright. I, I attend the Temple Church over in Bordeaux, yeah. and and as someone, I wasn't raised in a church. My mom and grandma went to church every Sunday. I used to stay home and play the video game, so I didn't. I wasn't necessarily raised in the church, um, but it was amazing to me the first time I saw Pastor Drumright do it. it you know, he was preaching, and uh, you know the congregation was led to give a ram of word offering so people was walking up putting money on the the altar and you know and normally that money you know would go to the pastor whoever's preaching whatever the case may be pastor drum right told the deacons deacons i need you to get the tables the de- tables the deacons put all the money on the tables and pastor drum right said um if you're in here right now and you don't have money for food you don't have money to get your child's school clothes, mm. or you need money for medicine, the Lord has set the table for you. Mm. Come get what you need. And I was sitting there. It was one of my first times going to the church, and people was just coming, and they were just taking hands of money and putting it in their in their hands saying, God bless you. Um, and then Drumright would always say that, you know, he would never accept the Raymond Word offering um, because it makes his heart happy to ensure that he that he's saying words that felt that made inspired people to give, where in turn he can give to others. Wow! Um, so yeah. I, I take that same mentality. So beautiful. Uh, when people say, "Hey, you said something that inspired me to want to support the school," um, I don't never take it as well. Well, yeah, go give me gift cards. Let mm-hmm. me, you know, go out on a date mm-hmm. and take my wife somewhere, or you know, go to happy hour. But if I can in turn use those to help inspire my teachers to me that makes my heart smile because ultimately i know at that point i'm living out my truth and living out my god-given potential um and really paying it forward for everybody that continues to invest in me awesome awesome man i am so grateful for your time today um because i know your time is in demand yeah so we do not we not take it for granted is there anything, if you could say one thing to the people of East Nashville that are going to be listening to this, yeah. what would you tell them? Man, pardon, pardon shot would be, man, one, thank you. I, I need to say thank you because East Nashville has already began wrapping their arms around the school. So um, between, obviously, everyone here at the Church of Lachlan Springs, yeah. you have, you know, Edgefield Baptist Church, the First Church of the Nazarene, people of faith. Um, in our community that have already begun wrapping their arms around the school, um, local businesses, uh, Bongo Java, Sky Blue Cafe, our friends at Lachlan Table who have said, hey, um, we're going to we're right here in the community. We're 
going to invest in the school. Mm. So we have people, community members, Gracie Porter, I can keep going on with people who have already started wrapping their arms around the school. Want to first say thank you to all of all of you all. Mm. Um, but two, then to everyone else, Warner is striving to be the hub of education in East Nashville. Mm. Um, Warner is a school that you will have diversity, both socioeconomically and racially. Um, and it's a school that are, is extending offerings in education like no other school can. Um, and it's a place where we're truly trying to give our children the world. Um, when we say give them the world, give them the world of opportunities, but give them the world of exposure. So when they leave school, they'll understand that I need to love people who don't look like me, believe like me, or love like me. So it, it gives them that exposure. So if that's the type of environment you want to be a part of. That's the type of environment you believe you want to invest in. Please reach out to us. Um, we would love to schedule a time where you can come and take a tour of the school. So it, I tell people, it's one thing to hear about it, but to walk in and feel it yeah. um, is something totally awesome. different. Um, so we would love to invite you over to take a tour of the school and, and just figure out um, what we can do as a community to partner to ensure that we continue changing lives through the power of a great education. We're so grateful for you, grateful for your time, grateful for your influence, the, the things that you model for our community. Dr. Gibbs, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Gibbs, my man. Hey, y'all. Till next time, good brother. Appreciate it, brother.